Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast was created to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and remember who you are, light and love. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Again, that's heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 381. In today's interview, you are going to learn how to find fulfillment in life and live into your joy. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Jerry Zare. Jerry, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here with you and your listeners. Thank you for joining. Please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Well, I live in Carmel, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. Um, I've been uh, an ordained minister working in interfaith ministries for the last 35 years, but I just retired. And now uh, I've written this book, The Peacemaker's Path, and, and I'm I work on trying to build understandings for people between different religions, our faith, our connection to God, and how to fill a more fuller life. I would love if we could even go way further back and how how you got started in this, maybe if you want to call it a spiritual awakening, but where did you begin to bring you to today? Well, I, I grew up in a very conservative background. My, my grandparents were Amish. I grew up Mennonite, very legalistic. And so I left church. I left God, all that stuff. I went out into L.A. My degree was in speech and theater. I went into the entertainment business. Uh, I was performing out there. Um, and I sang on the Johnny Carson show. And I performed at the comedy club. And I did some of these things. And I was getting a lot of accolades. But, you know, every relationship was transactional. Um, What can you do for me? And inside, I was very uh, empty. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, I want to offer you some additional resources. Check out my website, heatherhakes.com, and take the free life assessment. This is a great tool to take inventory in life where you're feeling in alignment and abundant and where you're simply feeling stuck, stressed out, or as someone recently emailed me, completely ruining their life. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. Again, check out my website, heatherhakes.com, and click on course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one coaching. I will teach you what has taken me years and tens of thousands of dollars to learn in which you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free strategy call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. I was very empty, Um, but I thought that all churches or all religion was like what I grew up with. Well, out there, I became exposed to people of other faith traditions, people of other teachings and writings that gave me a new concept of God, not as this being out there judging and righteous, but more the higher power, um, the universal intelligence, the, the unified field, what, whatever language you people want to call it, but that which is of love, 
drawing us and helping us to live a fuller life. And so I began my own spiritual awakening that way. And where did you start? Well, I started reading, I started studying, and then I went to seminary because I wanted to have a more uh, authentic and a better way of talking about my faith. I mean, I never believed that three quarters of the world were going to go to hell because they didn't believe like my church or my religion, but I didn't know how to talk about it. And so in seminary, I came to understand a, a different way of that, you know, just because we're taught certain things doesn't mean they're true or that we have to believe them to be true. And, and so I realized that a lot of teachings about religion or God or about uh, finding happiness, um, I, I just didn't buy into. And so when I became in seminary, I became a minister and I started working, uh, trying to help empower people to find a, kind of the divine and I saw God, not just outside of us, but within us. I really believe God is in everything. If, if God is energy of love, love is at the core of the universe. And that energy of love permeates everything. And how do we be connected to that, to the divine within and beyond us that can give us a sense of fulfillment and inner peace? Well, and I asked you a question before we started recording, and that was, what do you believe our purpose here is? And you said to experience the fullness of life on earth. And a lot of people say we're spiritual beings having a human experience. But look, I think a lot of people in this 3D realm are living a lot of struggle and suffering and lack and scarcity. And that is not who we are or what we're here for. So how do we help in this paradigm shift and, and waking people up to realize there's so much more where we already have it. Well, and that's why I appreciate your podcast and you, your listeners coming here, because it really is about how, what do we choose to focus on? What are our thoughts? That's where I began. I, I used to be a very anxious, uh, perfectionistic, very critical, hard of myself. I was very driven when I was in the entertainment business. And, and that's what I found was those thoughts, the critic voice inside of us that used to tell me, Jerry, you're, you know, you're not good enough. If people really knew you, you'd be no good. You can't measure up. You're lazy. All that stuff were just really thoughts that somebody else, either I grew up with telling me or society told me. And then I realized, I, I read the book, The Untethered Spirit. Uh, and that was the first beginning of saying, I don't have to let those thoughts stay rent free. I don't have to live in fear if I want to choose to focus on goodness and hope. But that takes a lot for me. It took a lot of work on being intentional about what do I want to let my thoughts focus on. Okay, so the word you use there that I, I feel like I emphasize a lot is in being intentional or being mindful. So how can we be that, you know, want to call it a gatekeeper of the thoughts in our head? Because you're right. Why are we letting these limiting beliefs hang out rent free? Well, I think it's because, at least for me, I, I, I listen to those, that critic voice or those voice more than my friend or my therapist or uh, my minister, because it's almost like they, they were just there. And then when I realized 
they don't have to be there. In fact, it, it was like people would give me a compliment and I'd go, oh no, you know, that's thank you, but not really good enough. You know, and I, and I found myself pushing all that stuff away. Mm. When I started realizing, let that compliment come in and hold that compliment. And so when I would get notes or cards from people saying, thank you for what you did, I, I would keep those and then I would start to read those back. Or if I got in a funky mood and felt uh, depressed or maybe a little anxious, I started making a list of things that I was grateful for, things that I was blessing. Well, you know, as soon as I started listing the things I'm healthy, I got a house, I have a wife that loves me, I have this, I have those. Now my whole mood changed. And that's when I realized, wow, what I focus on in my mind and my thoughts will get manifested in my life. So I think you gave a perfect, simple example. And, and I remember um, years ago when it has to come with compliments, I think women especially are the worst at accepting compliments. And my mom told me when someone gives you a compliment, whether or not you believe it, just say thank you. But that made me think, and what I wrote down here is the universe is trying to give us things all the time and we are not open to receive. We are repelling compliments, money, love, connection, job, success, what all these things we desire, we're repelling. So how can an attitude of gratitude? Yes, I, I completely agree. But how else can we open ourselves to receive everything we're worthy of? I, for me, it was learning to love myself. Uh, I think we're good at loving others, but it was about learning how to give myself forgiveness like I would give other people forgiveness. It was about being able to really affirm some of the things that I was good at and, and feel good about that. And, you know, I was taught not to be prideful, that somehow that was wrong. And that's not really good. I mean, to be self-centered, only think of yourself and not others. Okay, that can be an extreme unhealthy. But to feel good about yourself, is there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that's what I think God wants us to. You know, again, in all of the teachings of the major religions, they all talk about the sense of finding that sense of peace and being a peacemaker, how we can help bring peace in the world. But you have to first feel that sense of your own love of yourself. Um, and so I have, sometimes I'll ask people, tell me three things you love about yourself. And I can't tell you how many times people have a hard time even listing three things that they love about themselves. Do you know, and I, I've asked similar questions, even with coaching clients in the past, if somebody's in a really bad attitude, they're just in a down spiral, woe is me, life sucks. I ask one question. I'm like, tell me something you're grateful for. And this has happened more than once. And they'll sit there and like, I have nothing to be grateful for. I'm like, tell me just one thing, just one thing. And it might take them a minute or two, but then they think of one and then they think of another. And all of a sudden they just rambled off a list of many things they're grateful for, but it's because I got them to change their focus. And, and sometimes people just don't feel worthy. I mean, they just don't feel like they have any of that. And, or maybe they get so stubborn and they're so bitter and hard. And that's where that forgiveness begins, starting to forgive somebody else. Maybe we're harboring, maybe somebody who's listening is really still angry or hurt. They've been wounded by somebody else and they're holding on to that. Mm. And, and what I found when I got hurt by somebody 
um, that person went on. They, they didn't even care. They didn't know that they hurt me. And, and all that really hurt was myself by harboring my anger and my bitterness. Finally, when I started to think about, well, maybe this person and had some empathy towards them. Maybe this person was having a bad day. Maybe this person misunderstood me. There was many different reasons that I could begin to forgive them was a way of setting myself free, in fact. I just kind of, that's when you were saying that, that's what I thought of. Forgiveness sets you free because I love that. And maybe was it Buddha that, you know, holding a hot coal is expecting to hurt somebody else when it's like you're, you're burning yourself or drinking poison. Again, it's affecting, it's hurting you, not the other person. I think that's what I loved about doing the research with this book was because when I read the teachings from the Hindu scriptures, Buddhist teachings, Baha'u'llah and the Baha'i faith, the Sikh scriptures, Jesus's teachings, and they all had these same themes to them about forgiveness and, and forgiving others or learning how to love yourself. Boy, it just reinforced in me that there was this universal wisdom, this mm-hmm. consciousness, something beyond ourselves that want us to live into harmony with ourselves and our world. So Jerry, how do we rise up and experience this heaven on earth? I, I think, you know, we begin with the word intentionality. I think it has, I would have this in my, my mirror. If I had an intentionality of something I wanted or something I wanted to, to be set free from or to focus on, I put it in my bathroom mirror at days. The other thing is I, I had people who have surrounded me that I would share with them, that I surrounded people who were good, positive people who helped me live into that. And if I had negative people, people who um, I, I, I stepped away from, you know, I, and I, we talked about this. I've had family members who, who we just were at odds with. And if I talk about religion at all, I, I don't, I mean, I get lambasted and I get a lot of shame and guilt. And so I, I just disconnect from that. And even if they're a family member, if, if I'm not going to put myself in a position that I'm going to be belittled or diminished, and I don't want to do that to another. So I think it is about protecting our mind and our heart and having an intentionality of what we want to have in our life. So something, um, there's so many teachers that I can think of, especially ones that I study and follow. And it is, you know, Abe, Abraham Hicks, who we both have followed or listened to. I love right. Abe and Abe talks a lot about the emotional guidance scale. So if you find yourself in the low vibe emotions, guilt, anxiety, mm-hmm. worry, fear, you've got to raise your vibration up because the whole like attracts like. So if you're sitting in these low vibe emotions, you're going to experience the lack, the scarcity, more of the same, right? That's right. And, and a part of that is becoming conscious mm-hmm. of what you're feeling. You know, for a long time when I was younger, I just, I didn't pay attention to my emotions. I had a zero emotional intelligence. I love that word emotional intelligence because now we're celebrating that we should appreciate our emotions. For me, as a man, I was cut off. I was all intellect and I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. So I just swallowed my anger. I swallowed my fear, my anxiety. Well, when you swallow your emotions thinking they'll go away, it just made me depressed. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I came to some self-awareness and, and an understanding of those emotions. And in fact, anger is okay. It's more how you use anger. You know, if you blow up and yell at somebody, that's not good. But if it motivates you to change, that's okay. So coming to some self-awareness was very important for me yeah. uh, about my emotions and then being able to um, find a way of letting go of some of those shame and the guilt that I had been taught that I said, I don't buy it any longer. Well, I think what you hit on there is emotions are indicators. And so what I talk about often is the thought cycle. Our thoughts create our emotions and feelings, which lead to the actions or inactions we take and ultimately our results in life. So your emotions can feel they're your indicators of what your thoughts are. So if you're sitting in this funk, that's what I call it, sitting in this low vibe state, you can go, oh, that's an indicator. Okay, what are my thoughts? What am I focused on right now? But then when you're also feeling high vibe, you're elated, you have so much gratitude, you have joy, pay attention to that too, because what are those thoughts? And then make this conscious, intentional, mindful choice. Okay, I want more of those. I want less of that. Right. And, you know, and some, some of us have came out of some really hard background, a lot of trauma early in our life. Maybe there's, you know, been abuse or molestation or different things that, that have happened that, that, you know, really um, have these streams of thought that are just so prevalent because that's what, that's what we grew up with. And so to change that mindset, that brainwave is not easy to do. It can work, but, and, and, you know, I'm 66. And honestly, I started working on this when I was 35 and, and it wasn't really, it took me 20 years of just hard, intentional work before I really started feeling a sense of inner peace. But all the way, I was feeling better, growing, feeling empowerment, empowering others. And so, you know, it's all a process and a growing. And I think if we can, if we can give ourselves that grace or that sense of cutting ourselves some slack, being easier on ourselves, not being so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing things, we're doing the best we can. You know, nobody intentionally sets out to get married to get divorced. You know, okay, we got married, it didn't work out, we got divorced, but we learned a lot. It was part of our growing process. I didn't intentionally take a job to get fired, but I, okay, I lost my job or I, mm-hmm. I, I went bankrupt. I, you know, I mean, there are things that happen. Life is hard. But it is part of that, going through those experiences and saying, what can I learn? What can I grow? How I can become a stronger person is part of that journey that we can get there. I want to challenge you on that one phrase you just said. Okay. Life is hard. Oh, thank you. You're right. Life doesn't have to be hard. I mean, if we say it's hard, it's going to be hard, right? I just think life is what we make it, but those people, and I, I'm not going to say it, but the acronym FML that used to be the big rage in the last few years, it's just like gross. And life doesn't have to be hard. Life can be, as Abe says, you can be downstream. Life can be easy. You can be in flow. You can be in alignment or opposite end of the stick. Life can be hard, but you get to choose. 
No, I, and I, I think you're right. Thank you for, in fact, calling that a little bit because isn't yeah. it interesting? Our language is very important. And if I yes. say life is hard, it's going to be hard. If yes. I say life is good. And, and yeah. so uh, I, we say we can create heaven on earth or hell on earth, right? Yeah. But we get to choose. Okay, so can we touch on that for a minute? Free will yeah. and the fact that we are co-creators. What does that even mean? Well, you know, for me, um, one of the things that I, a myth that I always bothers me is when people say, oh, it's God's will or God's in control, um, you know, and, and we do that to comfort people. When somebody dies, they say, well, it was God's will or maybe something terrible happened to us. And we say, well, God had a purpose for that. And, and I think that's, that gives away so much of our power. One, if God is love, if the essence of God is love and, and the universe is love, God doesn't want anything bad to happen to us. Things happen in the world because our humanity, we're not perfect. We're all on this journey together, but we have choices, if free will that people say in religious terms, or just that you have choices. And I talk about being a co-creator because if God is in everything and present with us, I can just choose to ignore that. I can become, um, when I was just on, in the entertainment business, I wasn't even thinking about God or about any of that. It was all on my own. What can I do for me? How can I get ahead? And then when I had the spiritual awakening, I realized I can tap into something greater than myself that can give me wisdom. And, and then, you know, it was interesting because as I, as I put that out there, prayer, I did it through prayer. I did it through my own intentionality, ways, whatever ways. Other people started coming into my life that were such positive effects. I found doors opening up. Sometimes doors would close and then I would trust. I would say, okay, that door closed, but I think that there will be something that will actually be better for me. And I'd be open to that. So co-creator for me mean I can participate with the divine to create my future. Well, and that's big of you to be able to, and man, that is, man, that is easily said than done sometimes, but to let go of the past, instead of focusing on that closed door, which I think a lot of people do, uh, I am guilty of doing that. And instead be like, all right, that was closed for a reason. There's another door. There's a window. There's, you know, there's other things out there. So just and, and something we talked about again before recording was the power of presence. So maybe you could talk a little bit about presence. Well, for, you know, I think it, it is something for me as a person, um, uh, a recovering, anxious, perfectionistic. I was either looking to the future mm. or about the past. Mm. And I missed the moment. I mean, I was so worried about getting the project done, getting onto the next project, moving up the ladder, whatever it was. I missed the moment of where I was. And, and you know, there's, there's sacredness in these moments where we are. Our conversation right now is so um, just empowering to me. It, it makes, I get shivers a little bit because I enjoy this, this conversation we're having because it just, it lifts me up. And I hope your listeners are feeling lifted up and, and to be aware of it. So sometimes now I'll say, when I'm with other people, what do you notice right now? What do you notice? Rather than what did you get out of that session? What did you get from this? What, what do you notice? And I'm being aware 
of, of the present moment. That's why mindfulness, meditation, breathing, breathing has been helpful to me to quiet my mind, just to, to be able to enjoy this present time. Yeah, I agree. Well, and Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about that, right? You know, I think that's what he's most well known for is the power of the present moment. And even when I find myself stressed out and I'm complaining to my mom, my mom's like, are you okay right now? Are you okay yeah. this moment? Right. Okay. Well, and you know, I used to have my things I worry about and then I'd realize I can't do anything about them anyway. Yeah. Why are you worrying about them? Well, because that just was part of my upbringing. I just worried. My father worried. I worried. And, and wow. I thought if I thought I worried more, it would get better when I realized worrying only made it worse. And so that's when I started to decide, you know, how I'm going to change it. My anxiety, my anxiousness was my own fear uh, and not trusting, mm. trusting myself, trusting that things were going to be okay. Trust with trusting ourselves and that we'll, things will work out. I mean, that's very important. And when you're younger, it's harder. I mean, again, the things we're saying are easy to say and and, and have, um, it takes some effort for them to move, to grasp, but they do. Having been one who's come through that, I, I want to tell you, uh, doors have closed. And, and I, I, I have always felt like that God, that oneness who's been there with me, guiding me as I've been open to that, has, my life has been so blessed. Um, somebody asked me if, if I uh, had, if I was a wealthy person, I said, I'm a millionaire. And they said, you have a million, you have a million dollars. I said, no, I got $2,000 in my savings account, but I have a million of blessings. I've just been blessed. And I think it's because I've been open to that and I've given, you know, mm. I think when we give and when we share that and, and try to unselfishly be, be there for others, we get so much back which is, you know, people talk about karma. Jesus said, you reap what you sow. What you put out there will come back. The law of attraction as, as uh, you know, the secret in that. It, that is a universal truth that the Hindu scriptures that are thousands of years old from India, the Vedas yeah. talk about. Yeah, for Nothing sure. New. Right. And sometimes I even call it like the boomerang effect, but you put out, you get back. But I mean, but all these things are new age. No, they're not. Uh, yeah. These, these teachings are the teachings of very essence of the fulfillment of life have always been here if we can choose to tap into them. So you're saying it's not woo-woo. Not woo-woo at all. In yeah. fact, in fact, people think it's woo-woo or it's new age. And, and again, when you look at these teachings, of the great teachers, you know, that, that have come over thousands of years, they don't say exactly the same thing, but they're all saying the very essence. And, and for us to find that sense of fulfillment, enjoyment, it is about loving ourselves and then loving others. In some ways it's simple, but we've made it hard, you know, especially in our society today, where we're taught over and over again that it's not enough. You have to have better this, more that, you know, the expectations yeah. are there. 
you're talking about women and their sense of feeling guilt. And, and it, it was staggering me to learn that girls starting at the age of 11 feel inadequate about their bodies. They're already feeling like they're not beautiful enough. They're not sexy. They're not pretty enough or whatever. Because society has already done that to women. Um, I, I'm going to tell you it's actually earlier. And the only reason I know that is from observing. I have a 10-year-old niece. And she okay. started talking about this stuff when she was about eight. And I yes. was like, why, as an eight-year-old, are you insecure and not? So it's much yeah. younger now. Oh, I think. I, and I mean, again, and, and we have to watch how much we protect our children from watching the TV <sighs> yeah. and the media. And even for ourselves, how much do we protect our mind and our heart from taking all that in? Because, because our society is set up. You know, Mother Teresa said we were one of the wealthiest countries in the world uh, numerically, but spiritually, we're one of the poorest in the United States. Yeah, but I don't. I I think we touch on that too. I don't think that anymore. I really do feel like I do all of this let's call it chaos, this craziness that has been almost two years now is there is a mass awakening. So change is good. Things are happening. It's just, oh, I think each generation I do too. And yeah. I mean, look at your podcast. You've been doing this for four years and, yeah. and, and now, you know, I mean, it's people are enjoying, I mean, people are wanting that. And, and I think the pandemic has made people look at that, you know, and how can I find that? I feel yeah. isolated. Yeah. And uh, so um, thank you for the good work you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we've touched on a lot today, many different topics and subjects. If you could give listeners one key takeaway, what do you want people to get? I want people to love themselves, to be easier on themselves, to give grace, meaning cut yourself some slack and, and give yourself that sense of, Love yourself as God loves you yeah. or your mom loves you <laughs> or your father loves you. All right. So I'd like to ask you a few rapid fire questions to wrap up the interview. Okay. What is a quote or motto that you live by? A quote or motto that I live by, um, live life to its fullest. Yes. And you know what I like about the most simple ones like that is it's because I feel like it is so simple. And the movie Soul, which kept popping up while you were talking, I love that by Disney. Okay, it looks like you've seen it yes. too. Yes. Soul and many other teachers, it simply is telling us to do what brings you joy. So yes. living to our fullest expansion is to follow that joy and, and we will always be taken care of and guided. That's how I feel. Oh, I love that. I love living, living into your joy. Mm, living into your joy. I'm writing that down. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Um, the book that I highly recommend is The Untethered Spirit. Um, by Michael Singer? Book, yes. It's The Untethered Soul. Thank you. The Untethered Soul. Yeah. I, it was Oprah's favorite book. So I love Oprah. So I read it. And that was the beginning of this whole being aware of the thoughts mm. and critic voice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. He also wrote The Surrender Experiment, which is another great book. Yes. Yes. Um, the, four law, the Four Law Agreement by, uh, is another about the four laws of agreement. But anyway. The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. 
I only, okay. So I only know that one. Number one, I talked about it earlier today, but number two, it was the first book I read. So I was 15 and that was my first quote self-development book. Wow. I'm impressed that at 15 years old that you were reading that book. I was reading a uh, playboy. So well, that's, okay. that, that's what Santa would put in my stocking. So good for your mom. Good for yeah. Santa. Thanks Santa. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I, I think um, I think it's both of those things that uh, I touched on earlier. I, I wish I would have enjoyed the present, slowed down, mm. and and just enjoyed enjoyed and not tried and not be so overachieving. Because you know, honestly, um, all those things that I worried about and tried to achieve um, all were secondary. And uh, I. I, I enjoy the riches of life. So now much more than I did. Well, what a great note to end on Jerry. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And I hope uh, for your listeners uh, that, you know, if there's some of them who are out there who were feeling a little uh, discouraged or distraught today, that, that they'll know uh, the power of love of, of uh, God's love for their life. And, and that, um, uh, the joy that they can find living this life. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes or subscribe to my YouTube channel, Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.